This is the Space Dojo Show, a weekly podcast about all things JavaScript. You can find out more information at show.spacedojo.com. Enjoy the show. Hey there. Just wanted to take a quick second to tell you about something that's coming up in November, Space Camp 2.0. So last year we ran Space Camp 1.0 in Gatlinburg, Tennessee in the mountains. It was a lot of fun. And so this year we decided we wanted to go bigger. And it took some searching, but we found an even bigger place. It has 30 bedrooms, and it's on the coast of North Carolina in Outer Banks. Super, super excited for this. We're going to follow a similar format to last year. So the first day, we're going to have talks. And it's going to be the open camp style of like, you know, everyone just kind of saying, hey, I've got a talk, and we'll pick the best ones, and then we'll... We'll all sit down and listen to those. They were great last year. I'm expecting some some top-notch ones again this year. We also have like home-cooked meals the entire time. My wife is an excellent, excellent cook, and she's going to make all those meals. And I think anyone that went last year would attest to how tasty everything was and how much food there was. It was amazing, and uh, we plan to replicate that this year. Talks during the day, then in the evenings, beer, board games, a lot of hanging out, talking, watching funny videos, all kinds of stuff. So if board games are your thing, this is definitely the event to come to. I may even try to bring the PS4 or something. We'll see how that works out. The car was pretty packed last year, so I don't know how much space there will be. But if you're interested, it's like the first week in November right after the election. So that weekend the second day we'll have a hackathon contest where we'll be building fun things using javascript so if you're a fan of javascript like this is the event you want to be at so check it out camp.spacedojo.com it will be an amazing time i promise you see you there Welcome to the Space Dojo Show. I'm your host, Josh Owens, and today our panel includes Ben Duguid. Welcome, Ben. Hey. And our special guest today is Thomas Goldenberg. Welcome. Hey, Josh. Hey, Ben. Do you prefer Tom or Thomas? Tom. Only my immediate family call me Thomas. Nice. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> I'm immediate family now, of course. <laughs> uh, yeah. Today, I know we've talked about it in the past, like right when the, the show back in January pivoted to kind of cover more JavaScript topics. We covered React Native with Bonnie Eisenman, and she did a good job. But I feel like using JavaScript for mobile is pretty important. And uh, I wanted to come back and kind of cover the topic again. I still have not used React Native yet. I know, I know Tom has. Have you been using React Native? No, not yet. Okay. I haven't had the chance, but I look forward to it when I do. All right. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Tom, and, and what you've been working on and how it relates. Sure. I'm pretty new to the whole engineering, software engineering scene. I, uh, I kind of had a career switch about two years ago when I was investigating the, the jungle that is JavaScript frameworks at the time, I, I really fell in love with React. And so I, you know, I invested pretty early on. All the jobs that I've gotten since then have involved React and, and Meteor as well, which is how we know each other. You know, when I had the opportunity from a Meteor and React job to work with a company uh, doing React Native, I jumped on it 
Uh, and that was about a year ago. And, and since then, I've been involved in the community and uh, just recently published a tutorial uh, for building apps with React Native. Yeah, nice. Uh, we talked about it a little bit on the Creator Podcast not too long ago. And that's actually like how the conversation got started. One of the things that I found interesting in the tutorial, maybe less about React Native, but was the backend service that you're using. Can you tell us a little bit about Deployed? Yeah, sure. So the, the way that the tutorial came about was uh, I had partnered as a side project with a friend of mine, Nick Brown. Uh, he's a product manager at Huge, which is, you know, does a lot of consulting work for mobile apps. And, you know, we built an app with React Native for iOS and, you know, we came across so many, like, so many obstacles because of lack of documentation and that's how we decided to get the idea to build this tutorial. And when we were building the tutorial, we wanted to make the API part of it as easy as possible. And we just kind of uh, happened across deployed. It, it makes it really easy to, to just spin up an API really fast. And uh, they have a, a graphical user interface so that you can just type in the, the name of your collections, have kind of constraints on the collections for what, you know, what type of uh, data it can have. And uh, it's worked fairly well. I give a, a class where we teach students how to build a Cordova application using Meteor and React. And I feel like a good portion of the time is spent kind of showing off the Meteor backend system. And that's not necessarily like the interesting part of the class. Like it's, it's probably good for some people, but if, if you're not familiar with it, like I just like shoot it at you so fast, I feel like people maybe get confused. So um, I definitely like always on the lookout for easier ways to. Yeah. And, and the thing with Meteor, you know, the, the whole DDP connection, like it definitely works well with, with React Native apps, but that's only for a situation where you need that real-time connectivity. And I, I feel in the majority of cases, people just want to REST API endpoint for their mobile app. And so that's why we, we looked away from Meteor. We, you know, the, the actual tutorial, the website for it is built with Meteor because we love building web apps with it. But, you know, for, for a REST API, there are definitely a lot of other options. You guys look into uh, GraphQL at all? I know there's services like uh, Reindex, and I think there's another one, uh, I'm forgetting the name, um, that offer like GraphQL backends as a service. You guys think about that at all? Or? So at the time we, we started this, it, it's been many months in the making this tutorial. And so we, we had the idea like 10 months ago, I want to say, after we initially released our iOS app. And so GraphQL back then wasn't really on my radar. And in the last two or three months after, you know, watching a lot of uh, tutorials and talks and stuff, I feel like it's starting to get a lot more adoption. Um, so, you know, we, we decided to stick with REST to fit like the majority of use cases. Um, but I, I myself am definitely looking to GraphQL. I find it extremely interesting. Uh, what about you, Josh? Have you done anything with GraphQL? Uh, I just started a project for a client. Um... And like, I've, I've actually got to do some GraphQL stuff for it, like tonight or tomorrow. So maybe ask me again later. <laughs> I, I think it solves a problem that I had, like when I worked at, at Outright, a company that got bought by GoDaddy, like they just didn't, they didn't have a good API set up. There wasn't any thought put into it up front. And like Graph, GraphQL definitely tends to, to solve that problem and force you to, to build something 
good up front and not have to think about like what what's being sent back and forth. Like as long as the server knows how to resolve it, like you can serve it to the clients that care. I, I mean, I've, I've been experimenting with it lately and just the, like, I think it's the Star Wars example that they have as mm-hmm. in a lot of their documentation. And it's, it's pretty freaking amazing. I work for a company, we use Meteor and React. And, you know, I feel like you have to, there has to be some time to, before you just make a, a big decision like that. And so I, I'm definitely investigating GraphQL for possibly bringing it to the company I work for now. But, uh, you know, some things you can't always be in the cutting edge. I, right now, I'm kind of in the exploration phase and seeing how easy it would be to transition into that. Yeah, I tend to, like, sidestep that by greenfielding a new client and then telling them, like, oh, hey, is it mission critical? Because, like, if it's not mission critical, we can totally try this new thing and it'll, it'll make sense for your business in the long run. And so, like, I, I've exactly. just convinced someone uh, that they need it for their app and... Yeah, we're going to give that a go. Because I think like Meteor would not have been a good fit for this particular project because they don't need any real-time stuff. You know, they're just kind of querying data and, and getting it back and, and displaying some graphs. So, What about you, Ben? Have you uh, done anything with GraphQL? Yeah, I was on a research team for this company called Ultimate Software. I interned there last summer. We built this app that used GraphQL. Um, so the, the back one is all... Backend is all broken up into microservices, and we used event sourcing, uh, CQRS, which stands for Command Query Response Segregation. Anyways, with event sourcing on the backend, and then for the, the query model, so all the views, we just used GraphQL so the client could get whatever it wanted. It was pretty cool. I really, really liked it. Yeah, I'm a big fan of GraphQL. I was thinking about this earlier, and, and like Redux is kind of become standard procedure now. But, you know, at, at, at Agolo, where I work, I, I just wrote a blog post about this of, you know, our migration from Meteor and React into, you know, bringing in Redux. You know, it took several months to really do the full research to build a project and then to bring it to the company and say, hey, you know, this could really give us value. So I, I kind of feel like I'm in the beginning stages of that with GraphQL and uh yeah yeah you know uh, github just put out a good article where they they kind of talked about that similar process like just picking a portion of their api that they wanted to revamp with new functionality and they built that with graphql and kind of forced them to create their infrastructure and how it works and then now they're able to just kind of pull it out to the entire api so you know i'm kind of curious like when it comes to developing mobile apps, have you played with Cordova before or progressive web apps or any other form of like building a mobile app prior to trying React Native? I'm kind of a, a beginner on the scene. And I, I, like I said, I only have two years of experience in, in just software engineering in general. And I just naturally made the transition to React Native. I mean, I was using Meteor to build web apps. And I, I suppose I could have utilized it to build mobile apps at the time, but the people that I talked to weren't that happy with how the, the real results they were getting. So while I haven't, I haven't used Cordova, I haven't really, I don't have firsthand experience with, you know, the, the Meteor Cordova integration, organizing the React Native meetup in NYC, I get to talk to a lot of people who have used these different technologies and, and that's kind of formed some of my opinions you know, to me, like React Native is is super interesting because like I just, I found the performance to be not quite there with Cordova. I think it's, it's good enough, 
but maybe it's not, not the best, like depending on the app you're building, I guess, you know, like if I think about a podcast player, like maybe it's okay for a podcast player to do Cordova, right? But maybe, maybe for something like Uber, it probably wouldn't make sense to use Cordova um, because we're, we're like drawing things on the screen and kind of using animations. And that. I mean, I, I think it really depends where you are as a company. Like, I think Amazon's entire app is still Cordova. So, I mean, they're doing plenty f- fine in terms of revenue and everything. So, but, you know, they also built it several years ago. And if they, if Amazon were to, you know, launch now or whatever, I, I think they would make different decisions. So I, I definitely don't recommend React Native if you already have built out something, you know, and, and you're thinking of ditching that and rebuilding the entire thing in React Native because, you know, if that were the good thing to do, Facebook would be doing that and they're not. I think it meets a good use case for new companies, uh, number one, that want to reach both the Android and iOS markets because that's like increasingly very, very important. And for companies that are only on one platform. And so I've seen a lot of companies that are either only on iOS and, and they want to expand to Android and they have a dev team that knows JavaScript very well, and so they're, they're building their Android app in React Native. That's what I've seen very commonly. Yeah, that's super interesting. I know there was a, a talk from, I think, React Europe a couple of years ago. Uh, Jed Watson talked about making a Cordova app, and he was talking about, he was comparing Cordova to React Native, and I, I found it really interesting because I guess previously to his talk, I was always just like, you know, React Native native is just kind of obviously superior to Cordova from, I guess, a lot of performance reasons. And then I think once you stand it, I think, I just think it makes more sense. It's running more natively, but he gave this talk where he talked about Cordova and was saying, you really can develop for mobile using web tech. Like if you know what you're doing, like if you, and, and if you really know the internals and if you really try to make the web app that you're making or the Cordova app that you're making um, look like, you know, the standard like iOS guidelines and Android guidelines, it is doable. So they're using React still, which is, which is kind of cool. React and Cordova. And I think it's called Touchstone JS. And that was a really interesting talk because up until that point, I was pretty much like React Native for all mobile apps. Like why wouldn't I? And I still think, you know, if I were to greenfield a project, I would, I would use React Native, but it, it was an interesting, interesting topic. We used uh, Meteoric for the last big project I was on that was mobile and we used uh, Cordova and Meteor and all that kind of stuff. And I think some of the performance issues we had was more related to DDP itself. DDP batching really would have helped a ton on this particular project. Like it's, it's not necessarily, it didn't always come down to like Cordova couldn't do the thing we needed to do or couldn't do it fast enough. Like we did run into some memory issues and I wonder if that's related to Cordova, but outside of that, like... That's a, that's a great point. Like, it's not necessarily, it doesn't have to be like Cordova versus React Native. I mean, it, it really depends on what's your team. If your team is all Cordova developers and they have that experience, is it going to be worth it learning a new technology to build a new app? I think all things being equal, if, you know, it's a completely blank slate and you come in and choose Cordova or React Native, I, I would go for React Native, and that you know, that's that's my bias because I've I've used React Native, and I I, I feel like uh, the arguments that I've heard for the performance are, you know, I, I get that. The other difficulty with React Native is that some people complain about is that the uh, you know that it's been going through a lot of changes, and you know it hasn't really 
a lot of people say it's not stable. There's been a lot, some breaking changes from release versions and everything. Um, so building a tutorial, uh, that was really interesting because we would build, you know, these features and everything. And now we have to change the code because one example was Re- React Native had its own version of React in the React Native module. And then they refactored it out so that React Native is there's only a sole React repository that React Native calls upon. So before you import React and your elements from React Native and you have to go through your entire code and change stuff, that caused a lot of complaints from people. And since then, I feel like they're, they're doing a good job at like trying to you know, be very incremental in their changes. Those are some of the other disadvantages I've heard. They ship really often, don't they? A new version of React Native. Every week. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the good thing that Facebook has a team dedicated to this um, on, on React in React Native. And um, I, I think that's also kind of a, one reason to have some confidence in, in how it's going to grow. Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, one of the things that I was kind of interested in, and I don't know, like, if your tutorial covers this or not, but, like, Bonnie's, Bonnie's book covered it a little bit, but, um, like, how much code reuse are you seeing between creating, like, the iOS app and the Android app? And, you know, what, what's that like? Yeah, sure. I, I, I love to talk about that. So, obviously, you know, there's going to be some platform-specific stuff that you're going to use. Um, what we're seeing is the community has come forward and has bridged that gap a little bit. So before, for example, you had an activity indicator iOS and you have an activity indicator only for Android. And, you know, the, com- the community has, you know, made that uh, native component work now just as activity indicator for both platforms. Um, but we actually had, uh, you know, in the React Native NYC meetup, we had a really cool talk from delivery.com. And, and they're an example of a large company that experimented with React Native on iOS in their Cordova app, actually. You know, they did a small module using React Native. They liked it. And then they, they built an entire Android app in React Native. Uh, they got approval for it. And they gave a talk on reusing their components across the platforms. And uh, I, I really w- wish it was recorded because they gave some great talks. But I'm going to talk to... Uh, Jesse and Bruno, so they can republish some of that stuff. How does that work as far as sharing styling? Because I know you don't want the Android and iOS app to look exactly the same, and that's why you have these different native components. But like, there are different style guidelines for Android than there are for iOS, and so obviously you're not reusing the styling, correct? There. I mean, I, I think it depends. Just before this podcast, I checked out Crater.io, and there was a a blog post, uh, React Native is dead, right? Yeah, I actually and, put that one up, so it's pretty funny. Was that you? Yeah. I mean, I didn't oh, write the post. I didn't write the post. I just saw it and thought it was really interesting. So I, I thought it was really interesting. And, and Brent, Brent Vatney, uh, who was on the React Native team, now he's with Exponent. There was, at the end of that, there was kind of like an appendix in, in his discussion. I really respect Brent. He's been an amazing contributor, and I, I think it's really great stuff that he's doing. But he brings up some good points, which is, you know, material design is, is a great thing. But you, just because you're doing an Android app doesn't mean that you have to leverage all of material design. 
I, I love material design and, you know, I use the material UI package on, on Meteor and, and React for, for styling, but I, I do agree with that, that even if you're building an Android app, you don't have to do everything exactly by that style guide. What do you think, Josh? Yeah, I'm just kind of looking at this article. I, I love the, um, the faux conversation at the top where the recruiter's like, why don't you want to work at a company that uses Cordova? And the yeah. guy's like, look at the top 100 apps in the app store. None of those apps use Cordova. I want to build the best possible apps I can so I don't use Cordova, nor am I interested in learning how to build Cordova applications. I don't even know how you know whether it uses Cordova or not. I don't know. Like one, one of the things he says in the blog post is that while React Native offers this awesome functionality, because it's open-ended and not really highly opinionated on how you should style it, that people end up making mobile apps that look like web apps. And totally true. I mean, people that are, are getting into React Native are doing so because they don't want to learn Swift. They don't want to have to code in Java to build an Android app. And so it's, it's a great thing to do as a side project if you're a web developer. Even if you're comfortable with Swift, right? Like, let's say I decide I do want to learn Swift. Like, you're right. There's one thing I don't want to do, and that's I don't want to, I don't want to learn Java just so I can put out an Android app. And that's where I think the beauty, like that code review use kind of comes into play. Have you looked at React Web, which is like React Native, uh, but it renders to web rather than like using React itself. You, you can still write the React Native components and put out a web. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought that was really interesting when I saw that coming out, that piece of news. And it kind of is like against the React philosophy of, you know, right? Learn once, write anywhere. And, and it's more like write once and run every everywhere. But uh, like people are doing all kinds of crazy stuff with React Native. And so, yeah, if that fits someone's use case, that's great. I haven't actually tried it myself, though. I, I would love to see a, a React Native for, uh, like, iWatch. I think that would be really cool. We haven't mm. seen that yet. I don't know how easy that's going to be to pull off because, like, the Apple... I think the Apple TV would maybe be the, the better target there or at least more interesting to me. Like, I'd love to build a mobile or an app for the TV that, that's built using JavaScript. I, I know, like a lot of people are thinking about those types of things because they did announce that React Native runs for, it'll run on the Xbox um, and like Windows and that kind of thing. So nice. that's super interesting. There's React Native Desktop and I even heard there's a React Native VR, which is pretty interesting. And then I keep seeing just all these various React stuff. I know React Sound is a is a library. It's for web, it's for normal React, but... It just interfaces directly with the, the web audio API, but you write it in JSX, which is kind of cool. Bunch of stuff like that, but it's, it's really interesting. React Native VR sounds crazy. But. Yeah, I haven't heard of that. It sounds, uh, I'll have to check that out. One of the things you mentioned is that you've started the React Native meetup in New York City. What has that experience been like? And um, you know, what's, what's attendance been like, that kind of thing? So yeah, the, the way that it started, I was working uh, at Sue, which was a, a startup in New York City. And we were, at the time, like the only company that I knew of in New York City using React Native. And so me and uh, a coworker, Harry, and also uh, Nick, who worked with me on uh, the iOS app on the side, we, we, we just thought that there, there needed to be a specific meetup for this technology because 
there's a lot of React meetups and they'll do kind of like getting started with React Native, you know, one time every five months or so. But we, we wanted to build this community so that we could kind of kind of share the difficulties we were going through at the time. And it's, it's really grown a lot and we've had some, some great talks by people and, and it's amazing to see the interest in, in not just startups and small companies, but large companies are expressing interest and, and starting to use React Native. We're getting kind of like, you know, like I think it was CNN money and, and like more larger companies. I said, you know, delivery.com is, of course, but that's been one of the, the really interesting things that you, you start to see that people are starting to pay a lot more attention in New York City. So yeah, it's, it's been a great experience. Yeah, I think the, the React Native community is really interesting because it's so new and all of the people in the React community kind of dove into the React Native community just headfirst when it first got announced. And it was just all this excitement from, oh, like this is so new and cool. And I know that the, the contributions to the React Native project are a lot higher than, or I don't know how much higher, but they're higher than the, the React contributions, which I think is really cool. And just the whole concept of React Native and React is it's just like, it's very unopinionated. So you see all these people coming together and just really sharing how they solved certain problems and I guess sharing their opinions in a place where like typically React is very unopinionated and it's really cool just to, to learn from other people and see how they're solving problems. I mean, there's so many different Redux and Flux implementations. It's, it's a cool. You know, I, I originally came from the Meteor community in New York and when we started this this meetup, I, I really tried to bring over the lot of, a lot of the stuff that I, I felt when I participated in meetups in the Meteor community because Meteor is such an awesome framework and community because, you know, you have the Meteor forum and it's like there's always someone there to kind of guide you with whatever question you have. And if you go to an in-person event like, like I did – even if you don't know anything, there's, it's not kind of this elitist kind of culture of what you don't know, what you know, this is or redux or reflux or whatever. It's like, Oh, here, let me show you what meteor is. It's, you know, let me help you build your first hello world app. And so that's kind of what I want to bring to uh, this, this meetup that we have in New York city. Having run the, the Cincinnati meteor meetup, like that's definitely, a good feeling to try to foster one that we always strove to get people into the mindset of like come and, and share a little bit and then have discussion time and really just, just help each other learn and, and level up. Yeah, that's definitely good. And I was just looking like we don't have a Cincinnati react native meetup. Kind of weird. There's only a few of us so far. There's one in San Francisco and, and there's a couple internationally. There's one in Tel Aviv, I'm pretty sure. And um, so it's, it's starting to grow. And we, we kind of, the different organizers, we talk to each other and kind of exchange ideas and kind of where our um, problems are and try to solve them together. One thing I am kind of interested in is like, you know, what, what have you found most interesting or most cool about React Native? Like what, what part of it was, or shocking, right? Like something new you kind of learned as you were building React Native. Yeah, so like I said, my, the first job that I got uh, when I went into web development was with Meteor and React. And so at the time, I, was, I didn't have a full-time position. I was just doing contracts. And this startup said, hey, you know, React, we're going to do something React Native. Do you think you could handle it? 
and and I was within two days I was building out features you know and and that's an amazing thing because by now most of us in the media community we're using react or we've tried react if we don't like it but like a lot of people it's, it has widespread adoption and so the fact that you can be efficient in mobile in such a short amount of time is really powerful i guess speaking to that one thing that's that's maybe giving me pause every time i try to think about building something like as a non-designer it's it's basically got its own CSS subset system that it uses for design, uh, and it's based off Flexbox. Like, right. how have you found that to be? Because, like, generally, I use something like Ionic or Meteoric, or um, even like Bootstrap does a decent job if if you push it hard enough of giving you a mobile interface looking kind of design. Like, what what's that experience been like? So you're, you're right. I'm not a designer. I'm a developer. And so I, that was a shortcoming that I ran into early when I wanted to build an app that I felt was professional looking. And honestly, that's why I paired with uh, a product manager because he had such a great knowledge of Flexbox and design and it knew kind of the things to look out for. Like, you know, one thing that can get you in trouble is if you design for one of the larger iPhone models and then you see how it looks in one of the, the lower models and the font's too big and it's, you know, it's overflowing and everything. So like you have to design from one of the smaller models first so that when you, you know, you, you try the other models and it works. So like things like that, Nick was, was really good and he just has that eye, you know, it's like, it's almost like you're born with the, like the right taste to know what's a good design. There are some companies coming forward and trying to build out more opinionated UI kits to use with React Native. So we, we have a, a company called Shoutem and they're actually going to be presenting at our next meetup in, in New York City and they offer kind of a, you know, like choose from this UI kit of buttons and, you know, all kinds of elements that you can, instead of having to create a touchable opacity with a text element inside of it and then design it according to Flexbox, they've kind of done all that for you. I think a lot of people are coming forward to offer some easier solutions for that. So I know that there's, there's a React Native Package Manager, which are our NPM, but I don't exactly know how that's different from NPM. So what happens is that if you NPM install some of your dependencies, it will install them in the JavaScript bundle, but it, it will have assets or files that need to be compiled in Xcode. And so you'd get these repos for like React Native Video or React Native Image Picker, and you'd NPM install and they wouldn't work because the repo and the read, readme instructions, they'd have, you know, you have to go into Xcode and then you have to, you know, compile this binary and, you know, you have to link it to your main project. And so RNPM came along um, and they just solved that problem. Uh, and, and so that's, that's the main reason why it exists so that you don't have to manually configure Xcode for all of these libraries. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, I know there are still components for React Native just on NPM that you could pull in and kind of, you know, like, like normal React and Lego blocks and just configure them. So that's cool. Yeah, and, you know, that brings up a good point too, like Xcode. Like, how was that transition for you? Like, you've, you went from dealing with Chrome, the web browser as your kind of debugging tool, and now, like, you're compiling for 
the phone and you're dealing with Xcode, there have been instances, at least with Cordova, where I actually have to dive into like Xcode and use it to debug what's going on in the app. Like, was that like easy for you or frustrating or kind of what was that like? Oh, incredibly frustrating. Um, <laughs> I mean, like I said, you know, like that now, now when I do it, and in fact, one of the requests we had for the tutorial is deployment. And so uh, the past weekend, I took the kind of, we, it's a meetup, meetup clone that we build in the, the React Native tutorial. And so I took it and went through the process of uh, going through test flight and then submitting the app for the app store and running on the device. And, and now it's, it's easy because like I can go back to my notes and everything. But when I was doing it the first time, it was a nightmare. There's so many kind of like hard to find little things. And, and Xcode doesn't tell you do this and then that. It's just like, it just shouts at you. This is not working. Wait, wait um, till you get something in the app store and then your certificate expires. <laughs> that was a terrible process too. Yeah. So, so it's funny. Uh, the first blog post I wrote about React Native was like 10 things that we learned. And <laughs> one of them... What what I actually did, this is embarrassing, but it was a side project. And, you know, in, in React Native, there's two ways of running the app. There, you can run it locally with a node, uh, you know, a node process running locally, or you can create a bundle. And, and the bundle is what you actually, you know, install on an iOS device. And uh, I didn't know that. So I, I just, you know, archived my project, submitted to the App Store, I didn't do test flight because I didn't know about test flight. And I waited a week and I get back, your app is a blank screen. And I'm like, I'm using simulator. And no, I swear it's not a blank screen. So I submitted it again, waited another week, got the same error. And, and finally, uh, you know, it took me like reaching out to a bunch of React people who were like, okay, this is what you have to do. And no one was like, oh, you're so stupid. Like, I can't believe you did that. Like, they were really nice. The App Store is a terrible process. Like, I, th I think in all honesty, you could probably write an entire book on each App Store deployment process and still miss oh, it. You know? and, and then there's things like, so I registered with Apple as an individual account. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it shows my app and it's like Thomas Goldenberg. Like that, that doesn't sound professional. I want to make it a business account. That is a, I never did it. Like I looked into how to do it and I, and I like, like looked on forums, how you would transfer from an individual to a business account. Mm -hmm. And it was like, no, that's like, that's way too much time. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. I actually had to get on the phone uh, with an Apple rep when the certificate expired and they had to walk me through like how to, how to fix it. And it's like, I feel bad. Like I, I'm a reasonably intelligent guy. I should be able to figure this out. I Googled around for a couple hours and just finally gave up and called Apple. Like what yeah. the hell guys? I will, I will say that uh, a couple months ago, the app that we had on our story, it's, it's actually called Bhagavad Gita app because so I, I used to live in India for nine years and used to teach the Bhagavad Gita in Sanskrit at university. So I, I made my own translation and, and that's the, the app that we originally made. And I wanted to port it over to Android and I, I prepped like a whole week of like that deployment process. And it, I think it was like two hours and it was up on the, the Google Play Store. It was like... <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah, mind blown. Yeah, uh, so that is nice. 
maybe the last question, then we'll get into our picks, our show picks. How have you found the kind of the, the add-on library selection to be? So I know like with Cordova, I can easily say like, you know, NPM install and bring in like Cordova packages that allow me to access Bluetooth or uh, the camera or anything like that. Like how has that been as far as like, how's it work and what's it been like? Yeah, I, I will say that what I found with some of these third-party libraries is around the time that um, React Native made some breaking changes, a lot of these libraries weren't actively maintained. And then, you know, I'd find that if I wanted to use the latest React Native version, I'd have to actually go in their code and fork it and 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 get around those difficulties. Now it's, you know, since that time, since like I want to say like two three months ago, um, it's been a lot easier and, and a lot of these projects are, are really being actively maintained. That's my own personal experience was, you know, when we were building the tutorial, things like, I'm trying to think, um, like Google Analytics was really bad for a while. Um, another one was, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, there were, were one or two pro, um one or two repos that I had to fork and kind of fix the bugs. And then when I was redoing the, the, uh, the tutorial about a month ago, I found that all those issues have been solved. So there probably was like a rough period during some breaking changes, but now, you know, camera contacts, you know, all this kind of stuff, there's very good support. What about routing? Because I know I've heard in the past that routing is just like there's a lot of routers to choose from. And people pop in the, the Slack chat on uh, the creator Slack chat and, uh, or Space Dojo Slack chat and, and ask about this. Is that, is that solved? Is there a blessed, you know, a blessed chosen router? Or how does that work now? Um, not yet. So I, I've used all three. I, I mean, actually, I'm aware of three major ones and then there's other ones as well. But, you know, when React Native first came out, the easiest to use was the Navigator iOS. Uh, and that's what we actually used for the, the Bhagavad Gita app for our first iOS app. It's just really easy to use for simple, simple apps. It has its own UI and everything. And then we heard that Facebook wasn't using that. They're switching to Navigator. And so the tutorial is based off of Navigator. Uh, and Navigator is not opinionated as to UI, so you can have any kind of scene transition and everything. Uh, now the new one is Navigation Experimental, I've, and I've used that for the, uh, as I was saying, the Android app that I put out uh, a couple months ago, and it's really nice. I, I actually like it. It fits in with the, the model, if you're, especially if you're using Redux to encapsulate your state, and this has been a problem, I, I want to say, on the web as well, of you know finding a routing solution that works within that framework of a single state object. I've used the navigation experimental. I really like it. But for the tutorial, uh, we use Navigator because that is, is still like the most stable one, I feel, at this point. And, and navigation experimental is, is like as the name implies, right? So there are options. And I, I think for new people coming in, it, that can kind of confuse things a little bit. Um, if you're using Redux, I would recommend Navigation Experimental. If you're if you're not using Redux and you you know you you just want to you just have experience with React, I would say Navigator is the best way to go. I've also heard about there's one that has Flux in the name. Have you played with that at all? 
that seems to be popular. Yeah, I, I've seen a couple. I, now there's like the new React router is out too, and, and now people are trying to incorporate that in React Native as well. I haven't had time to really sit down with the other alternatives and, and compare them. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. All right. Uh, so I forgot for the last episode, but this episode, I, I want to make sure we do it. Uh, at the end of the show, we just ask everybody on the show, like, what, what's, their, what's their pick for the show? And uh, it doesn't have to be related to tech. It can really be anything, just something that's improved your life in some way. Uh, and we love to share this stuff because it can, can help other people sometimes. So let's, let's go around real quick and do that. Does anyone want to go first? I can go first. All right. So Google Allo came out uh, today, which is pretty exciting. If uh, if you haven't heard of that, it's kind of like Google's new messenger. We got yet another one, uh, but hopefully this kills all the other ones because it's kind of like all the messenger apps are all converging and they all look like each other. So this is kind of similar to iMessage, but then similar to Slack in the sense if you have like the Google Assistant bot there like in your chat. Uh, so you can, you know, you're talking to somebody and you can say, Hey, like want to do lunch? And then Google's like, Hey, do you want restaurant suggestions? And you're like, sure. And a bunch of cards pop up with restaurants near you and that type of stuff. You can like Google search from the, from the chat app, like with a group or so I check that out. It's cool. And it works on iOS and Android. Yeah. I, you know, I think maybe that's a big problem is iOS was, or Apple was short-sighted and not putting out an iMessage for like the Android platform. Yeah, I thought they might this last uh, WWDC and then yeah. nope. That, that's the tough part, right? Like as an all Apple family, having outside family members that want to talk to my kids and all they have is iMessage and I'm like, I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do anything for you. So yeah. you can text them, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Texting works. Get a phone. And right. then uh, the other pick is I got a Yeti cup. My fiance got me a Yeti cup. There's the, uh, labels down there bam and it's like all i drink out of it's i put ice in it and water and it stays cold for days and it's fantastic so nice there you go awesome should i go yeah go ahead if you got one so the the biggest thing in my life in the past uh, couple months i got to go uh, on a honeymoon with my wife jess and we went for three weeks to india and it was pretty awesome we went from the very south in Kerala, took the train to the north, and then went up in the Himalayas like 12,000 feet, I think. So it was cool. Awesome. That's awesome. So this is going to sound weird, <laughs> but I'm going to say the IRS. That sounds weird. Yeah. So, like, I want to commend them. I got my 5013C approval in exactly a week. So I just, I, my wife and I have been working on starting a nonprofit to teach kids how to code with a particular focus on like involving gaming to, to draw their interest in. We applied on September, I want to say September 7th, maybe. And, and we got this thing exactly one week later, like the approval and everyone's like, Oh, it's terrible. It takes at least six months. If you do the regular form, we were able to do the short form. And like, they just turned it around. Like everyone was telling us this would be at least six weeks and they got it done in like a week. So I nice. said kudos to them for being on the ball with that. I love Good. It. And, uh, one, one thing I also want to say is, you know, of, of course the, uh, the, the tutorial that I made is now available and I wanted to just make, let it be known that 
we're offering a, a discount for the Crater listeners. So if they just put in the word Crater as a promo code, you get uh, you get a discount. It's at buildreactnative.com. Yeah, I guess we didn't mention it, but is, is it a book that they're getting when they buy it? It's it's an ebook, so you read it on the website. Very similar to the Discover Meteor, how how they did the way of learning Meteor. Awesome, cool. All right, well, thank you guys, and uh, it's it's been a real pleasure discussing React Native again, and uh, this, the community certainly seems to have leapt forward, and I'm I'm kind of excited. I'm hoping in the next month I can put together uh, a video tutorial series on building a React Native app. So, uh, gonna give that a try. Thanks for having me, and uh, Ben, nice to meet you. Appreciate nice it. to meet you. All right, guys. All right. Talk to you later. This has been a Space Dojo production. You can find out more information about Space Dojo at spacedojo.com. It's easy to join the mailing list and stay in the loop. That's S-P-A-C-E-D-O-J-O dot com. 